Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Energy Talk Podcast where we share stories about the energy industry. My name is Ulubumi Olajide and I'm excited to be here again this week. Today it's all about energy access we have on the show Rory from Light Up The World and he's going to be sharing with us about some of the work that his organization does in rural Peru where they bring solar, solar electricity to communities that are in remote areas that don't have access to electricity and now they're helping build the community through social inter, uh, enterprise and it's going to be a very insightful uh, conversation not just from uh, an organizational standpoint from, from also from a personal standpoint as Rory shares his story of how he grew and learned through his experiences volunteering and being part of organizations like light up the world so this is going to be a very um, educational and a very human episode to talk about personal motivation and about just wanting to be part of the good you want to see in the world so without any further ado i hope you enjoy my conversation with rory uh my name is rory mclaughlin uh i'm the social enterprise manager with Light Up the World in Peru. Um, Light Up the World's uh, a, an organization, a non-profit organization working in energy access. Um, most of our work is, is now in Peru. Um, so we've been in Peru since 2010. And we, we operate under three pillars of work. So we, our, our sort of main area of work is, is projects. Um, and what, we, what, what those projects are is um, they're projects that we carry out with corporate and academic partners, um, primarily in North America. So those partners provide us with funding and with volunteers, um, and they allow us to uh, go to rural areas in Peru and in some other countries too, but mostly in Peru, and to provide uh, solar energy installations to families and communities who are living without access to electricity. And so those partners provide the funding and the volunteers who come down to Peru to learn more about solar energy and also to help out with installations in communities. And that's, that's the main, main part of our work. Um, we also operate with, through training and education. So we offer training courses in Lima and in other parts of Peru on solar energy and particularly off-grid solar energy. And so we're trying to spread knowledge about good practice and good quality solar to make sure that solar is a sustainable option here in Peru and also you know perhaps in other countries with people who might travel for training courses for instance and the the most recent pillar of our work is the social enterprise and so the social enterprise uh, we through the social enterprise we offer small solar energy systems to off-grid homes and families so um, yeah, and we're trying to do that in a way that uh, is less reliant on external funding. So we, we are selling products to rural families um, and we're working with, you know, high quality products, but also affordable products um, that, that mean we can, we can get these products out into rural areas. And um, yeah, so I've been with Light Up The World for just over a year. I, started my i guess my career in this area through an, an organization in the uk called engineers without borders uk and i i went with them to do an international placement in malaysian borneo working with a small ngo who, who were working de developing micro hydro electric projects in in rural communities 
and I was there for eight months. I really had a great time there, learned a lot about how NGOs operate and about energy access and wanted to continue working in this area. And as I was coming towards the end of that placement, I heard that there was an opportunity for a second placement in, in Peru with one of Engineers Without Borders UK's partners, Light Up the World. And so uh, I knew the volunteer who was, who was in Peru at the time, um, and I got in contact with him and we had a chat about Light Up the World, and the project and about Peru. And, you know, he was uh, nothing but, but praise for all of those things. Um, and so, yeah, I was really pleased to be able to come to Peru Came, got to Peru in, in June last year, June 2018, and Tom Griffith, Griffith who was the, the previous volunteer, stayed on as the Social Enterprises first manager, and I, I was working with him for a year um, until very recently when, when Tom moved on, I was lucky enough to be offered the position of Social Enterprise Manager. Yeah, that is actually quite a journey. Uh, it's a long way from the UK where you are right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Peru is a fantastic country. Yeah, really pleased to be here. And uh, the social enterprise is a great project. And yeah, things are things are going well. And yeah. Okay. So since you joined the organization, what has as your uh, as your uh, expectations changed be behind the work that they do? Because uh, the the your role actually makes you so involved with the community that you're working with. So how has that been for you, like learning about the people and the families and the communities that you guys are supplying uh, energy to? Yeah, that's a, a really interesting part of our work. And um, I mean, it's really core cool to everything that Light Up the World does. So yeah, we, we're, we're really lucky that we get out into areas of Peru that, you know, other even Peruvians, might not might not travel to so it's Peru's a, a really beautiful country and we get to travel up into really remote parts of the, the mountains and other areas and to work with communities who are living in these areas um, and that's you know for for me as um, someone coming into Peru that's a really amazing experience but it's also really it's a great thing for us to be able to go into those areas and to help people who are living often in quite harsh conditions and um, to be able to try and bring technologies to those areas that I think really improve people's quality of life. And um, yeah, people are really pleased to be able to access those technologies and, and they, they can be quite life-changing, I think, in, in many cases. And so for us, it's, yeah, we're, it's really enjoyable experience. It's something that I'm really proud to be a part of and I think I'm really lucky to be able to, to, to be a part of that and to get out and see those areas and, and meet those people and the people that we meet in the communities in which we work are you know really friendly so hospitable to us they often you know they'll, they'll we cook us good food and really take care of us while we're working in the communities um, and I, I think that's a product of the way that light up the world works and you know, we, we, we work really hard to make sure that we develop good relationships with communities, both before we carry out projects and afterwards to make sure that people have good support and um, they're able to come to us with any problems that they might have. And uh, through that, we, we tend to have quite long lasting relationships in the communities in which we work. 
That is that is one of the things that attracted me to your organization as well. So before we get a bit too specific about working in Peru, let's just talk on a global uh, sense and talk about energy access for a bit. Uh, on your website, there is this like very short description of the work you do. And it says almost 1 billion people on the planet do not have access to electricity. And light of the world brings solar electricity to families living off the grid. And that is just the perfect uh, summary of what you guys do and how important it is. Because uh, for most people in the developed world, yeah, it's it's a bit easy to forget that so many of the things that we take for granted, uh, like uh, 24-hour power supply, is not the re the reality of many people around the world. And the work that you guys are doing in Peru is something that is extremely important, especially because um, I'm sure you know this by now. Uh, just a little bit of uh, uh, energy access for families in remote areas, it it's, has a significant impact in terms of their quality of life and just how much they can accomplish during the day. And just the simple things that uh, so many people have gotten used to, uh, technologies like solar really, really gives these people more of an option, more opportunity in order to uh, develop themselves and their communities around them. So have you had that kind of experience personally while working? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think you make a really good point. Um, energy and electricity access is something that none of us in in like in, in lots lots of parts of the world we don't even think about having access to as much electricity as we could possibly want in our homes. And we're often, you know, we we have washing machines and. Uh, you know, every, every appliance that you could possibly think of and televisions and computers and yeah, all of those things are things that we're, we're born with and we, we grow up with in many cases and we, we become used to. And yeah, where there are 1 billion people, I'm not sure if that's the exact number, but you know, somewhere around there, that's a, a huge, huge percentage of the world that don't have access to electricity and, um, yeah, so it's it's something that I think it would be great if the, the rest of the world was more conscious of. Um, but I think the, the good thing is that we're one of thousands or tens of thousands of organizations who are working around the world to try and bring that number down. And the number is, is shrinking all the time. And the number is, is shrinking through the invention of new technologies. So, you know, in the, in the social enterprise, <coughs> Here in Light Up the World, we work with technologies that are being uh, that are being distributed around the world now, and so those technologies are really designed specifically for electrification and designed specifically for those you know that that those one billion people or um, yeah, and they're really high quality products, really affordable products, and they're getting better all the time. So they're able to offer people who didn't have access to electricity and perhaps relied on kerosene lamps or you know different more basic forms of lighting that are often quite bad for people's health and don't really provide very good uh, lighting at all, and you know are even quite dangerous in some cases. And they're able to provide more and more. Um, options to, to people in, in those circumstances so, so we, we're starting to see whereas maybe five years ago it was primarily solar lanterns that these companies were working with now there are a whole range of technologies that range from basic lighting for off-grid homes up to systems now that include things like televisions and we're starting to see fridges and fans and even laptops in some cases so yeah there's you know it's a lot of people and it's a you know, it's a, it's quite a 
it's a shocking statistic. You know, a billion people without access to electricity. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the world is is really around the world. There are lots of great initiatives, and we're yeah, there's a lot of progress being made. So that that's really great uh, to see. And I think um, yeah, my my personal experience is it, it's been really eye opening both my time in Malaysia and here in Peru to to go out and, and see the areas in which people live. Um, and there's, yeah, there's certainly a part of it where it's, it's, it's quite surprising and it takes a while for us to adjust to, um, to seeing that people are living in places with, without light. But I've also been, been struck really in both Malaysia and here in Peru that in many ways, people living in rural communities, they, 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 they're really, um, I don't know what the word would be, but people, people deal with the circumstances in which they find themselves really well. And the people, you know, we, we find people in rural areas, you know, they work really hard in, in agriculture or whatever it might be. And they're, you know, they're still leading good quality lives, but the, the, there are things that we can do, I think, around the world to make sure that everyone has access to technologies that can make their life a little bit more comfortable. Um, and in some cases, there are even technologies that might help people with, with you know, whatever it is that they might do for a living. Um, yeah, but yeah, so really great that we're making progress and um, yeah, uh, really eye-opening experience for me overall. Okay, so you've been there for about a year now. Do you have any significant challenges that you think you've faced with your team or just personally with the work that you do? Um, the last conversation I had with an NGO in Peru, we talked a little bit about um, the people not being too open to uh, um, groups that are bringing in technologies because they might not trust them and it takes time to develop the relationship with the um, communities that you're working with. But with Light of the World, it's been active for a very long time, since 1997, I think. So does that help in bridging the, uh, the, uh, the connection between the communities and the individuals that you work with, or is it still a challenge you face today? Uh, absolutely. It's, uh, it's a challenge, but it's a really important part of the work we do. And like you say, so Light of the World was founded sort of over 20, 20 years ago now, and it's been in Peru for uh, just under a decade. And the, the relationships with communities are, you know, absolutely core to everything that we do. And so uh, that that's a, it's influences the structure of the organization and the way we work. So we have, we, you know, we have an office in Lima in the capital city. And that's really important because that's why we buy materials and we do lots of other important sort of parts of the running of the organization. But we also have regional offices in, in different parts of the country where we work. And we have local staff members who are really experienced in working with communities, building and developing those relationships. And um, yeah, just going through the whole process of, of getting to know communities, understanding their needs, and then communicating those needs to, to you know, everyone involved in the project and then helping to make sure that right throughout the project um, we're, we're working as closely as possible, as, as possible with the community. Um, I think it, it is really challenging, particularly because in Peru, we, you know, we work in remote areas and that means that often it's really quite difficult in terms of logistics to, to be able to get to these places. And we do need to make sure that we're 
we have a, a strong presence in the community, like I, like I said, you know, right from the beginning, right through till after the project was completed. And that means that it's often quite expensive because uh, we, you know, we're often traveling maybe four or five hours in a four by four to try and get to some of the furthest away communities. And we need to do that journey, you know, numerous times. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really challenging part of our work. Uh, but I think it's, you know, it's just the nature of the work we do. The people in Peru who don't have access to electricity generally don't have access to electricity because it's so difficult to, to install infrastructure to these areas. And so, it, yeah, it's just a natural part of the work we do. Mm -hmm. So this is where uh, the sponsors and specifically the volunteer program comes largely in play with how the organization uh, functions. Um, so uh, since it's it's nonprofit, uh, apart from uh, the the uh, rural work that you do, there's there's a real need for people to recognize the uh, the importance of what you're trying to achieve, and also for people who are more who have a bit of experience to join into the team. So how is the community for volunteers with the work that you the work that you do, and how do you see them? Uh, um, develop personally and and uh, professionally while they're with you and they work with you through your project. Yeah, it's a really interesting question, and yeah, I guess something. Uh, yeah, I've been a, I've been a volunteer for sort of quite a while now. I'm just going into a, a full time position, but um, yeah, I think like I was saying, you know, Light of the World's made up of both Peruvian staff who who. Um, yeah, who have lots of experience in it from who who work often with with the communities in our regional offices and often uh, but also we we really benefit from um interns and volunteers who, who come from other countries and and those sort of really support the work that light up the world does and um through partnerships with organizations like engineers without borders uk and a program with the government of canada uh, the global affairs program <clears throat> the organization is, is able to take on more projects so the social enterprise for example has been supported by volunteers and interns for the last last couple of years and it's you know a big part of what the organization is trying to do in peru um and i think for both you know for me it's been a, an amazing experience leaving the uk and being able to travel to Malaysia and to Peru and to get involved in this sort of work has really opened my eyes to the world, I guess. I mean, you can read about development work in books and, and everything, but it's, it's really, um, you can't really appreciate the, the importance of this work, I think, or um, understand the challenges that are involved until you, you have an opportunity to get involved in that. And so, yeah, I think internships and volunteering placements with NGOs are, you know, they're really, really important for bringing people into the, the development world and giving people an opportunity to learn about what's really involved. And uh, yeah, I think through that, you know, it's, it's, it's a really important way of, of making sure that there are people with the right skills to, to push forward the sorts of organizations that are tackling challenges like energy access and I think also for the you know the local staff that we have here it's really it's really interesting for people local staff to work with uh, maybe foreign volunteers and interns who come in and I think 
you know, both groups of people learn a lot and really benefit by, by working with the other. Um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, so I think, yeah, really, really great for both sides and really interesting dynamic. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, so what about the dynamic with the local governments that you work with? Uh, um, one of the things that I always wonder is uh, these 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 communities are still under the protection of their governments, but most of the time they don't really put much effort into actually reaching out to them. And I get the fact that the logistics behind uh, extending the national grid out to all the people in the country is not always practical. But uh, this is where the renewable energy you guys use comes into play because it really allows uh, um, energy to go into areas that are more remote and more re reclusive from uh, the larger cities and populace. But uh, right now, do, do, do you guys have any challenges with the solar technology you use in terms of battery storage and just in terms of the utility of it? And how, how are you guys progressing in terms of developing your, uh, your technology behind for the work you do and just for the future in other places that you work with? Uh, absolutely, yes. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, working with, with governments here in Peru and that's a yeah it's a really important part of our work is understanding what what the government's doing in terms of rural electrification and um yeah in peru there's there's there there are lots of programs so grid extension is happening in some areas um and the government is also working with, with solar technology so that's you know in, in many ways that's great and we're looking for always looking for how we can work in, in ways that complement those programs uh yeah so it, it we yeah so that's what we're trying to do and um yeah there, there are lots and lots of i think the government's carried out sort of 150,000 solar installations now so that's becoming a big big part of the, the industry here in peru but it isn't always carried out in a way that has the community's engagement and involvement and so we're also looking for ways that we could perhaps support local governments or local authorities to, to better understand and manage solar projects. In terms of, uh, I think you mentioned battery recycling there or battery technologies. And so, yeah, a big, big, as we move towards the use of solar technologies in rural areas, two of the things that are really, port, really important are making sure that communities and local authorities have like I was talking about the right skills and knowledge and understanding of technologies and supply chains as well to make sure that those systems can be sustainable over the long term. And so some of the things that Light Up the World is working on are, first of all, we'd like to be doing more training and education with local authorities, with communities, um, to make sure that those, those things are in place. Um, but we're also starting to look at how we can support people who have maybe systems that are five or six years old and perhaps need battery replacements or other types of maintenance. And so we're, we're always trying to have that as a, something that we can offer to rural communities that we come across and we work with municipalities to try and identify where those communities are and to be able to provide those services. 
Okay. Okay. Uh, that's wonderful. What about in terms of climate action? Uh, lots of you mentioned that lots of the communities you work with are farming communities, so they, they so they, they depend on uh, the uh, the soil to produce what they need to survive and to eat. And uh, in terms of uh, displaced uh, hardship that comes from uh, climate action, most of the time the the areas that suffer the most from uh, from things like lack of attention to the environment are the areas that they don't have the infrastructure in place to really uh, escape or to deal with some of the consequences that come with that. So um, from the work you're doing, do you see any of the experiences with people who are not doing so well? And how do you, how does your organization help with that? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, maybe, maybe not so much uh, firsthand experience, but I think in terms of the, the displaced hardship concept, <clears throat> Peru is a really interesting country because you know historically Peru certainly has has not contributed to climate change um, it, as much as, as other countries around the world so I think you know Peru's emissions over, over the years would be much smaller than other countries um, but it's a country that's really vulnerable to the effects of climate change and particularly people who live in the sort of areas that we work in so often people in the areas that we work in are, are working in agriculture and often using more traditional agricultural practices that are much more vulnerable to changes in weather changes in rain pattern and yeah for sure those those people are not people who have, who have consumed lots and lots over the course of their lifetimes and but they are the people that will be really affected by that and i think you know right across the country even even within Peru, you know, there's a there's a huge huge gap between people who live in the capital city, Lima, which is sort of ten or eleven ten or eleven million people, about a third of the country, and people who live in the urban areas of the country, who yeah, are really much more vulnerable to uh, how to changes in the climate and changes in weather, but but also people who live in the capital are really reliant on food that comes from. The, the provinces of Peru, so areas outside of the capital, um, for, for their food supply and also for, for their water supply, which comes from the mountains, um, from glaciers. And, you know, climate change is really changing how agriculture is in, in rural areas. And it's really as well that, you know, the glaciers in Peru are getting smaller. And so there are threats to both food supply and water supply in the, in the capital city. Um, so yeah, Peru is a really interesting case in, in that regard. Um, in terms of what we're trying to do as an organization, uh, we're, we're, this is sort of something where we're definitely not experts in any of this stuff and our, our focus has always been on electricity access and on providing electricity access through solar. Um, we are starting to look at different technologies that we might be able to implement in, in, in agriculture. So one of the things that we're talking about and researching is solar powered water pumping and irrigation. Um, but that's, that's certainly something that we're, we're still in the early stages on and something that we would like to be able to offer that might be able to help combat some of the effects of climate change. Um, and we're, we're, you know, those are things that we'd like to learn more about in the future. 
Hmm. Okay. So I just want to take a bit of a step back and talk a bit about you personally, if you don't mind. You mentioned that you uh, spent a lot of time of your working uh, career in the UK, and then you decided to go on with Engineering Without Borders. Why did you make the decision? At what point in your career were you when you decided that you just needed to do a bit of, uh, maybe it was traveling or just some international experience with NGOs and really do some more, uh, some uh, volunteer work? So what, 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 what decisions led up to that and how has it affected you right now as a person? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, interesting, interesting question. I guess there was never like a particular moment that, that it happened, but yeah, I was working in the UK. I left school and, and went straight into work. Um, and I think al- alongside the job that I had, I studied for an engineering degree part-time. And towards the end of that degree, for my uh, thesis project, I had to, to, to pick an area to work on. And I, for some reason, was, was really interested in renewable energy technologies. I can't remember exactly what got me interested in that in the first place. And I started researching renewable energy technologies. And that was when I started reading a lot about climate change. And I was, I remember feeling quite shocked and like surprised that we weren't doing more to promote renewable energies and to combat climate change. Um, and yeah, I, I, I just got really, got really interested in, in that area and decided to pursue that through a master's degree. Um, and continued to learn more and more about renewable energy and also started to get more and more interested in international development. So I think I was living in London at the time and London's a really interesting place to be because there's a lot of, lot of universities holding talks and events on a whole range of topics. And, you know, I was doing, doing studying with lots of people who were, you know, like-minded people who were concerned about the same things that I was concerned about. And I think step by step, I started to, I guess, get an idea of what, what I felt passionate about and what I, what I wanted to work in. And those things were certainly climate change. And also, I, I guess at that time, it was just an interest in international development. And I thought uh, that was something that I, I, I thought I wanted to give a try. And so, yeah, going and getting involved in a, an international volunteering placement was uh, the perfect way to do that. And yeah, I really just was lucky to, to be able to join Engineers Without Borders UK and to, to go to Malaysia and work with a fantastic organization there. And, um, you know, that motivated me to, to carry on in working in this field. And then again, really lucky to be able to come to Peru and again, work with a really great organization here with Light Up the World. And through those two placements, I've just, yeah, been able to learn a lot about what what how 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 people are working with uh, rural communities and how people are able to you know offer offer these bring bring technologies that are really important and can be life changing to, to rural areas and yeah it's just been a, a great experience for me and so really really pleased to be a part of it and keen to continue working in this area. That's wonderful. Uh, you, you've, you've had a very interesting experience being exposed to two different uh, dynamics of uh, 
uh, renewable energy developments and climate actions, being in the UK, a very developed uh, part of the world, and then moving on to Malaysia and then to rural areas of Peru. So you really have an interesting uh, take on this, I'm going to assume. So if you're going to start a conversation with some of your colleagues back in the UK or other parts of the world about sustainable developments in uh, renewable energy and about climate action, how would you start the conversation to get people to really listen and understand that this is something important that they need to be paying attention to? Uh, it's, a, it's a really good question. <laughs> Maybe something I should think about before I go back to the UK. Um, <laughs> I think, I think at, like, like you were saying earlier, en energy access is something that we don't think about, but I think everyone can relate to. So I think we're, if, if you talk to people about not having electricity, people, people can relate to that concept and they can think about how important electricity access or, you know, whether all sorts of energy access, whether it's like fuel for cars or electricity in your home or perhaps something where you work. You know, I worked in a factory, so that was huge amounts of energy being consumed to produce things. And those things are all around us all of the time. So I, I think with energy access, it's something that people really can relate to. I guess the, the question is how to make people really care about that and really take an interest. Um, you know, I mean, everyone I talk to about the work I'm doing back in the UK is, is really interested and, and really supports it. So I guess it's just, um, you know, there are, there are energy access is one of many, many challenges that the world needs to overcome in the next however many years. And I think it's just more about this people talking about climate change or talking about, uh, you know, equality around the world or, or whatever it is and people really getting into those conversations because, yeah, I think a lot of these things are, are easy to sympathize, to sympathize with once you're talking about them and once you're thinking about them. So, yeah, perhaps it's just about getting the conversation started around the world. And I think, I don't know, I, th I think that's something that is happening. Uh, maybe it's just the, the circles that I... I'm in, but you know, I see more and more things on the internet, on social media, uh, in my, you know, my friendship groups in the UK, people are talking about whether it's sustainability. I think, you know, you see a lot of people talking about reducing plastic waste or moving to renewable energies and trying to find ways of living more sustainably. It, these are things that I think people are talking more and more about and they're becoming more and more mainstream. Um, I think, yeah, certainly for sustainability issues, the, the, the word is spreading and there are positive things happening. Perhaps with international development issues, they're slightly more confined to people who are studying or working or, or interested in, in that space. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think from, from what I see, I, I think hopefully people are becoming more aware and, and more conscious. Um, yeah, and um, I think there are there are sort of lots of lots of good stories coming from around the world as well. So I don't know the particularly in the, in the social enterprise area that we're working in, there's lots of sort of projects that are starting to communicate the the benefits of how international development can also be help to build local economies and uh, people becoming entrepreneurs in the energy 
energy access sector or people starting their own businesses whilst trying to meet a social aim. So, you know, pick a um, sustainable development goal and then, you know, hopefully they'll see lots of examples of how people trying to tackle those problems are also helping to yeah, tackle secondary problems and, and help people to provide people with opportunities for work or education or study. And so, yeah, lots of, I, coming back to your original question, I guess one of the ways to, um, to try and get people talking about this is to, to talk about the positives that are involved in, in all of this, as opposed to it all being negative. I mean, there's lots of good things happening and, you know, move, whether it's moving to clean energy or getting people access to uh, clean water, there, there are lots of sort of um, positive stories that we can tell about the people that are doing those things around the world. And um, yeah, I think talking about things in a positive light and highlighting the successes that, that are being made right around the world is a much more engaging way to talk about these issues than perhaps doom and gloom and, you know, everything's really bad and we're, we're all going to, everything's going to be horrible in 15 years. Um, so yeah, certainly, I think being positive is, is an important thing that we should all be trying to do. Definitely, definitely, especially with organizations like yours that have such an international uh, network around the world, um, as, and especially with the volunteering program, because what I find with people who I talk to have volunteered with uh, companies or organizations or NGOs who do work around uh, sustainable development in areas that they are not from originally is they have such a, a more formed uh, um conversation around things like uh, energy access and climate issues because they've seen firsthand um, not only the effects of the technology that can have in certain communities but, but also they've, they've had the experience for themselves to really know that this is something that uh, lots of people who are hardworking and intelligent are really working very hard towards solving these problems. So I also believe that uh, like people like you and people like everybody involved a lot of the world are a very essential part of this conversation because uh, personal personal um, recounts and personal stories really go a long way in order to break through all the mainstream and all the doom and gloom uh, rhetoric that goes around sometimes. So uh, it's, it's actually very good. Uh, I am always excited to have conversations with people like you and people who work with things that you're working with as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, yeah, it's, um, yeah, and it's certainly a big part of Light of the World's work, but people, yeah, people, I think once people get involved with working in something and they get to see, they get to see the realities of, you know, in our case, energy access, it's a, it's a big difference compared to, you know, having a, a little bit of exposure to that through something that you see online or something. So, yeah, people being involved and interacting, you know, for our, for people who come and volunteer with Light Up the World and they, they get to travel to a rural part of Peru and, and really get to know and interact with uh, the communities that, that we work with. I think that's, you know, it's an amazing experience for the volunteers and I think it changes the way that people view the world around them when they go back to wherever it is that, you know, whichever country they, they might live in. So, um, yeah, I think it's a, a really important part of the, the sort of movement towards a more sustainable and a, a fairer world is everyone becoming more aware of the challenges that there are in different countries um, and, yeah, putting a human face to it. 
and hopefully that that helps the people that engage with light up the world and any other organization around the world to to think more about how they can positive to how they can contribute towards a, a more positive world in the future and i think that yeah you know people who you know we really see it here people who come here they're, they're really humbled by the experience and yeah people really want to support and support that that cause going forward yeah and i'm sure it's a very good feeling coming and seeing how people grow and develop through their volunteer program or just people who are residents there and seeing how they are they become really they really really care about the work they do and that in turn translates to how much effort they put into the work so and especially from where i'm from i'm from nigeria and uh um, renewable energy uh, conversations and talk about climate actions is not a very popular topic there. So uh, as far as a country, it's a it's a very uh, long step to having uh, suitable conversations around the area. But in the same way, there are also individuals and organizations working very, very hard. And just seeing them existing, it's always a ray of hope for the future because I believe that uh, with these many people working about it, people are passionate and people who are always willing to put in the work and to engage with communities and uh, uh, societies that are different from theirs, I think it's going to be a very, very good uh, translation for the future of not just energy, but also for everyone as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people, everyone who everyone who I've come across in, in the work that I've been doing for the last couple of years has been, you know, so, so motivated to, to really work hard and do a good job. And in, whether that's local staff who are really passionate about helping, you know, their fellow compatriots to, to live a better life and to, you know, yeah. Uh, or it's whether it's volunteers and interns who who come in and who are interested to work in this sort of field. They're, those are all really good examples of people who have feel really strongly about uh, you know working towards a sort of fairer world or uh, whatever you want to call it. And yeah, that's a, a really positive sign because I think it's something. I think a lot of young people these days want to make a positive contribution. They want to leave the world in perhaps a better place than, than they found it. And so, yeah, that really does give us hope for combating the many problems that we have, whether it's like climate change or energy access or, or any of the other things that are really important in the world. And yeah, I think hopefully that's, that's a sign of, of good things to come and it's something that will continue people looking for ways that they can they can contribute to that movement in their career or in their personal life um yeah and it's a really inspiring thing to be a part of so we we just got we we have a you know interns and volunteers coming in every every fairly regularly at light up the world and yeah everyone who comes in brings some new energy and some, uh you know it's super motivated and inspired to to do their best and work really hard um, and you know that's part of the that's one of the ways that we're, we're able to carry out all the, the work that we do so yeah uh, really really positive and yeah really great 
Yeah, I'm very happy to have this conversation go this way. Uh, is there anything else you would like to say to the audience about the work you do, the projects you have coming up, or just personally watch any uh, any lessons you think you've learned over the past year and the few months you spent in Malaysia as well concerning international development and meeting new people in different communities that you feel like more people should know about as they progress through their personal lives and through their professional lives in whatever work they do? Um. No, I guess, I mean, if, if, if people, your, your audience listening to this podcast will be people who are interested and passionate about this, this sort of work. So, yeah, I think if people listen to this and they're interested in getting involved in, in international development or working in energy access there, you know, there are lots of different ways that people can get involved. And for me, I, you know, I'm really, really pleased that I decided to do that couple of years ago and I really recommend anyone else to you know get in contact with the organizations that you, you find interesting and you know see if there's, there's a way that you could support what they're doing whether it's from where you live or being involved in a placement or I don't know, you know doing whatever activity it might be um, and also no just on sort of in terms of what we're doing here we're always trying to get in get in touch with people who are interested in our work and um, yeah, you, you, people can get hold of our organization on, on Facebook or on Twitter um, through our website. So perhaps we could, we could leave those details uh, with you to, to share with your listeners if they're interested. Um, you can find my email address and be really, really keen to, to hear from people. Yeah, anyone who's interested in our work. Um, and to, to check out the work we're doing on, on social media definitely definitely i'll be leaving all the contact information for the organization and for you personally if you don't mind in the uh, description of the show um uh, thank you so much rory for giving me the time today it's been a very interesting conversation to learn more about your personal motivations and about the wonderful work that you and your team and everybody involved is doing in light of the world in peru and everywhere else you guys are involved with. Hi again, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the conversation I just had with Rory. It was um, very insightful and personally very motivating as well to have this kind of conversations about just wanting to do good and really being part of uh, organizations that align with your vision and you not know, just chasing um, a career just because you want it or just because of other reasons that are not so um, uh, beneficial, I guess. So uh, I'm really glad you joined me again this week. It's been a pleasure having you guys on. So a quick update about the podcast and about how the format for the future is going to be. There are going to be a few changes, but not too much. Um, a few things we're trying to connect more with you, the listeners, to find out where you're listening from and just to have you guys on as a closer community so we can talk more about um, the conversations we have. If you have questions or just want to dive deeper and really have um, these kind of conversations more regularly. So to that end, we've set up social media pages. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at the energy talk and also on facebook but uh, we're more active on instagram and twitter so you can just get in touch with us or you can get in touch with our email which is now in the description of the uh podcast so that's the energy talk podcast at gmail.com 
and you can get in touch with us with inquiries or anything else you would like to find out you can also visit the website at theenergytalk.com and a few of the format changes are going to be in the future um the next episode is going to be all about these changes we have a new um we have a new team member who's going to be helping out producing the show her name is jennifer she introduced herself next week in the bonus episode and then after the bonus episode there probably won't be an episode in the last week of august while we work out some of the um format changes and the uh, system changes we want to have for the podcast so all this is just so we can have uh, better quality and bring you more um, insightful conversations without any of the fluff and really get into the meat of the conversation. So um, it's a pleasure having you guys on. I'm really excited for what the future of the podcast will be like. And I really hope that you stick along with us and uh, while we grow, because this is um, when this episode goes out, it's going to be about two months now or just about two months. The podcast has been up and it's been a uh, a thrill so far and i'm really excited for what the future holds so uh we're not done yet and there's a lot more in store for the future so i really hope you stick around while we do that and if you'd like to support the podcast it's very easy you can just uh get in touch with us which is the most valuable thing you can do right now or just leave us a review if you're on apple podcast or just subscribe by wherever you're listening to the podcast so uh this is Olubuni Olajide and always excited to have these conversations. It's truly my obsession right now. So uh, thank you for being on this week. This episode was produced by yours truly and thank you to Jensen for providing the music used in this episode.